friends. Welcome to Listen, Friend, the pop culture podcast where we share the opinions no one asked for. Everyone needs a friend who's loud about the things they love, and we are yours. I'm Britt. I'm Amanda. And it's us. We tired today. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a time. Um, I didn't look up any pop culture news. Do you just want to skip it, or do you have some? I feel like something is happening. Um, have we talked on here about the Queen dying? I don't think we've been on here since the Queen died because of our two-parter. Yeah, okay, well, the Queen dying was the start of, just, just the start of a very sad, rough week for me. So I've been keeping up with all that stuff about the Queen. Yeah. Army Hammer's ex-wife is dating somebody who looks cute. Good for her. Good for her. (laughs) We're so low energy, it's... It's insane. Uh, the Little Mermaid teaser trailer came out. We haven't been on here oh, since yeah. that All happened. Oh, yeah. All that D23 Expo stuff. Which I do not keep up with, so I don't know much. I did... I like... I, her tail is beautiful. Um, the animation looked beautiful. Yes. Which, like... She looks great. Yeah. The only thing that upset me is I did not like that the song different. sounded different. Me too. Me too. But, like, maybe once I hear the whole thing, I'll be like, yes, this is great. Mm-hmm. Leah Michelle can read. <laughs> and she's um, had a great opening in Funny Girl on Broadway. That's great. Um, um, I'm sad about this, that the Phantom of the Opera is closing after 35 yeah. years on Broadway, being the longest-running Broadway show. Right. I'm sad about that. Blake Lively's pregnant with their fourth kid. Yes, in which I would I would be, too. Yep. The Emmys happened. The Emmys. I thought mm-hmm. you said the enemies, and I was like, they <laughs> the usually <enemies>. do. <laughs> My biggest takeaway from the Emmys was Andrew Garfield looked great. I didn't even see him. I didn't pe- I didn't keep up. I was glad Abbott Elementary won as much as it did, despite the fact that I've never watched it. Damn. Mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield did, in fact, look great. Mm-hmm. Eyeballs have confirmed. Mm-hmm. Zendaya won again. Did you see where she was talking about the... Um, her mom was already there, so she didn't have to call her mom, but the first person she called was her boyfriend. Cute. I was like, they are so cute. They are so cute. Zac Efron, like, addressed the whole, like, rumors that occurred that he, I guess, like, last year were all those rumors about him having plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. And he finally, like, said something about that and said that it was not that he had had plastic surgery, that he, like, fell and shattered his jaw and that, like, was rewired and all this stuff. And, like, I guess because of that, that's why his face looks different. Yes, he, you remember he was on meth or something? What? Not meth. No, I think cocaine. This is, I think this is a second. That was a. He's okay. Well, if you break your jaw twice, it's definitely gonna look different. <laughs> I feel like this is his second like big fall. Cause like I was like, yeah, we already knew about that first one, you know. Uh, apparently, Martha Stewart and Pete Davidson are friends, and I kind of love that. That's cute. For people who watched the second season of Love Is Blind, which I watched three fourths of, uh, Kyle who looks like two of our friends, had a baby. Um, and Deep T have confirmed their relationship. So good for them because she she deserved better than what she got on that show. Um, Jacob Elordi was cast as Elvis in um, apparently a movie version of Priscilla's book. I think it's called Elvis and Me. And I'm not here for really any of it right now because, like, can we can we let like Austin and Baz complete their moment before right. we, before we do this? Well, I just I don't know. It seems it it seems like that is kind of like cashing in on the moment, yep. like the yep. the hype. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that is what 
should be happening. I agree. I don't love it. I also don't want to look at anybody play Elvis ever again except for Austin. But I don't want Austin to play Elvis again either. So, <laughs> like, I just want, I just want it to just, it was, it was great. Let's, let's leave it. How right. It was, you know. Something, sometimes, like, less is more. Yep. Oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. had their 20th wedding anniversary. Cute. I don't think we've been here since Taylor announced the Midnight's album, which, no doubt about it, I'm ready to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it has been confirmed that Leonardo DiCaprio and Gigi Hadid are hanging out. Yeah. And I love that he, like, in my brain, I feel like he was like, oh, man, everybody is, like... Mad at me. Like, really mad at me for only dating women under the age of 25. So, like, let me try to date older than that. And then Gigi Hadid walked by and he was like, she's 27? That's ancient. I'll date her. (laughs) That'll shut everybody up. I saw, wait, somebody put a video up, like a reel or a TikTok or whatever, of like a girl who had like a um, um Gatsby themed like sweet 16 party mm-hmm. and like sent him an invitation like mm-hmm. as a, you know, like a, this will never, he'll never show up. And he did. And he like escorted her out or whatever. And in my brain, I was like, that really happened. Uh huh. Wow. I was like, look at him shopping. Oh, God. <laughs> Just picking things out for the future. Oh, golly. I was like... That is really cool, though. It is, but I'm also like, person, if you like him as much as you clearly do, I don't know that I would have shared this right now while the heat is on. No, no, not right now. Not at this now time. Now's not the time. They're, like, in their brain trying to show him doing something, like, really nice, and in turn, all they did was make it look worse. I guess we weren't... I don't know if we have been on here since all the Don't Worry Darling drama i think we talked about olivia we, and shy little yes but we have not talked about harry, harry spitting, spitting chris, not spitting not on chris pine <laughs> honestly the whole thing is still weird it's so funny i don't know that i have the emotional capacity to go through it right basically now. here's my takeaways i loved chris pine everything about him chris pine astral projecting yes and and also him like stage momming florence while mm-hmm. she was walking the red carpet loved that um loved him sitting there just like astral projecting when harry was like it's a like a real movie he's like my favorite thing about the movie is that it feels like a movie <laughs> and chris was like i have degrees from like oxford and, <laughs> oh, and then the like harry not spitting but looking like he was spitting on chris pine and then the fact that harry at his concert then was like Hey, like, this is our 10th show at Madison Square Garden. Glad to be back. Just had to pop over to Venice real quick to spit on Chris Pine. Like, that was so funny. He was funny. And then the whole him not looking at his girlfriend once the entire... His girlfriend, in quotations. Yeah. Um, Did you see she almost fell down? No. She, like, almost fell down on some kind of a red carpet. And I honestly wish she had. I mean, I don't want her to be hurt. I just want her to be embarrassed. Because she should be. Excuse me, I want you to be humbled (laughs) right now. She should be. She's been crazy. Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you have a recommendation? Uh, We started watching Heart of Dixie, and I was reminded how much I love that show. Yeah, we started watching Heart of Dixie for Look Friend, which um, is always a recommendation. And um, none of our Heart of Dixie episodes have come out yet, but we're thoroughly enjoying it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Friday, I went to go see the Killers in concert, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, mentally and emotionally, I am still in State Farm Arena breathing the same oxygen Brandon Flowers was breathing. <laughs> so, and I probably will be there forever. As you should be. Like, I'll probably just be disassociating to that place. Forever. Forever and ever and ever. I would have been doing the same thing had we actually been able to go see Sean there. Oh, yeah. Like we were supposed to. Was that going to be at State Farm Marina and not the Mercedes Mm -hmm. Benz? Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I can tell you the setup at State Farm was great. I'll just imagine it. But, yeah, I highly recommend, like... Honestly, that The Killers is a good show, even if you're not a fan of The Killers. Like, everybody knows Mr. Brightside. They're yeah. definitely going to play that one, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It it was just next level great. So, I recommend The Killers forever and ever and ever. Great. Okay. You ready? Yep. Okay. So, because life was bonkers and things are hard and we are tired, you're not getting, like, a research episode or, like, a episode that requires too much thought you're getting a game um and it is a game that I I had a different game planned and then I stumbled upon this idea and hodgepodge this game together this weekend so actually let me ask you this before we even start start with the games what makes a good romantic comedy to you a good trope okay like to me, mm-hmm. a good trope, preferably one that of the trope. I love all the tropes, but you know, like I love when we have like a fake dating. Yes. Uh, we have history. Uh, forced proximity. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Enemies to lovers. Mm-hmm. Those are probably. Mm-hmm. I like for that to be included, and that I feel like makes it. Those situations also set it up to have comical moments. Yes. And kind of set it aside from just being, like, a romance, you know? Yes. Um, I also want the couple to have great chemistry. Yes. And I want the guy to make me want to date him. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean he has to be the hottest thing in the world. It'd be great if he was. But also, like, great rom-coms are, like, Sleepless in Seattle and... You've got mail, which mm-hmm. Tom Hanks. I don't look at Tom Hanks and at, at that time and be like, "Wow, what a hottie!" But like, would I date him? Yeah. Do you ever look at Tom Hanks and think, <laughs> "Wow, what a hottie"? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did Colonel Tom really do it for you? Oh, God no. Um, Just Mister Rogers. <laughs> He's so sweet though. Um, okay, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I feel like a, a fun setting. So you know, either I feel like rom coms are like. In New York, or, like, in a small town, you know? Mm-hmm. There's not really, like, a... There's no in-between. In-between, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, There's never, like, a rom-com yeah. set in, like, yeah. Minnesota. Um, like, a funny best friend. Yeah. Um, You're just naming Isn't It Romantic, like... <laughs> all, the things, <laughs> all the things that I've been The gay best friend in Isn't It Romantic is <laughs> legit my favorite thing. I need to watch that again. It's ever. been a minute. I have it on DVD, I think. Uh... Fun soundtrack. I think that's about it. Okay. So, May 11th, 2022, so earlier this year, Vanity Fair compiled their list of the 33 best romantic comedies of all time. Okay? Hmm. So, what we're going to do is I'm going to, I want you to try to guess 
what their top ten is. So I'll give you a couple minutes to think and prepare, and I'll let you, like, in your notes app, like, write down the ones that come to mind. Mm -hmm. Don't start yet. And um, so I'll give you, like, two minutes to compile your list. We'll do a timer. And uh, you'll get a point for all the ones you get right. So if what you have is on their list, you get a point. Okay. So the most points you can get at this point in the game is ten. You'll get an extra 10 points if you correctly guess their number one. So, like, I'll let you name the top 10, then let you guess which of those is number one. Okay. So, like, don't in your brain just jot down, like, what you think should make the top 10. Then, of your list, pick which one of those you think might be number one. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we'll go through their entire list of all 33 movies, and we'll, like, briefly discuss, like, which ones we think deserve to be on the list, or, like, Great. how we feel about their list. So, do you think you need two, or do you think one and a half is enough minutes? I've got four written down already, so okay. <laughs> one and a half. Okay. Or do you have me on a timer for real? Yeah. Great. How much time do I have left? None. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I hope these are good. <laughs> um, for editing and clarity's sake, like, obviously we're going to shrink down... The minute and a half, because otherwise you're just listening to me giggle at her. Um, But I'm for sure leaving in. How much time do I have? None. None. Okay. So, did you put more than ten? Because if it were me, I'd be like, I'm just going to name every movie I can think of and say it's on my list. So, um, because of my current state of exhaustion, I Mm -hmm. wasn't able to think of much more than Mm ten. And honestly, like, it's probably just my favorite ten and not, like, me thinking, like, what should be on there. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Okay. So read to me kind of slowly your mm. list mm-hmm. so that I can see what? if it's there. Yeah. Um, Sweet Home Alabama. Okay. Um, you've got mail. Okay. The Wedding Planner. Okay. When Harry Met Sally. Okay. Mm. How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Okay. Okay. I'm about to start getting less confident. Made in Manhattan. Okay. Did I say Sleepless in Seattle already? You have not. Okay. Did I say you've got mail? Yes, you did okay. say that one. Okay. Is you've got mail on your list like five times? <laughs> no. It's <laughs> the kind of list I would make. Um, my best friend's wedding. Okay. And Miss Congeniality. Okay. Did I get any? Yes, you did. Did I get like two? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> of, I'm not going to tell you which one... Which ones uh, yeah. are on your list? Yeah. But of the ones you have on your list, uh-huh. what do you think they have as their number one rom-com of all time? When Harry Met Sally. Okay. Or You've Got Mail. I'm not going to tell you until we get to the end. <laughs> okay. These others at least better be in the list of 33. If they're not, I'm, we'll I'm going to protest. So now what we're going to do... Ooh, did I say 27 dresses? That was on my list. You did not. That doesn't change one, things, two, though. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Sorry, okay. I just told you nine. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go through their list. From the beginning? Yes. Okay. So we're going to talk about 33 through 11. Okay. Then we'll get to the top ten. That's when we'll, like, break it down for real, for real. Okay. Um, the brightness on my phone is up all the way, and that is asinine. Okay, so according to Vanity Fair, coming in at number 33 mm-hmm. is The Half of It, which is a 2020 Netflix movie. I forgot about, like... Uh-huh. You know, my brain immediately is, like, 2000s, early 2000s rom-com. Right. 
Um, it's very, like, Cyrano-inspired. Um, it's also, I think, has, like, an LGBTQ plotline. I have not seen this one yet. I remember seeing the trailer for it. I haven't heard of it. Um, but it's, like, a girl helps her guy friend get the girl, but she's also in love with the girl or something like that. I haven't watched it yet, but Vanity Fair thinks it deserves a spot on this list. I'm pretty sure it's the only Netflix thing. Because, like, Netflix had, like, a a rom-com renaissance with movies like To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Particularly, like, Set Set It Up up. brought the rom-com back because you got Set It Up and then you got, like, The Holiday Mm -hmm. and things like that that followed the old rom-com, like... Set it up very much felt like an early 2000s rom-com. For sure. Um, it's not on here, and I'm mad. Huh. So, I think this is the only Netflix rom-com that's on here. Okay, 32. hmm Coming at us from the year... T- that's not a word. Number. Coming at us from the year 2002 is My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I love that one. 31. Mm-hmm. Something's Gotta Give from 2003, starring Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton. They were too old for me to care about at the time when it came out. You know? You're just firing on all cylinders <laughs> today. Okay, number 30 is from 2002, and it's a movie that I have never heard of. It's called Kissing Jessica Stein, and um, it's another LGBTQ T plus um, type movie. I... I don't, I don't know, I don't know the people in it. Like, I truly have never heard of this, but Vanity Fair says it's good, so I believe them. Uh, 29 from 1991 is Defending Your Life, starring Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. Mm -hmm. It's a very niche list. Okay. 28 from 2003 is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. That one should definitely be ranked higher mm-hmm. in my personal opinion. Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey, which were like the... I feel like Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey were very much like the 90s. Um, like, they were the 2000s version of, like, what Tom Hanks and mm-hmm. Meg Ryan and Julia Roberts and Richard Gere were. Mm-hmm, for sure. Okay, this one I, I was happy to see on the list at 27... From 1987 is Some Kind of Wonderful, starring Eric Stoltz, Mary Stuart Masterson, and Leah Thompson. Mm -hmm. Truly one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay, 26 from 1977 is Annie Hall with Woody Allen and Diane Keaton. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. Number 25 from 1993 is Much Ado About Nothing with um, Kenneth Branagh, Emma Thompson, Denzel Washington, Keanu Reeves, Michael Keaton, Kate Beckinsale, and Robert Sean Leonard. And obviously that is Shakespeare. Shakespeare. 24, and I truly, I have seen this movie title a thousand times and I still don't know how to say it because I don't speak French. How do you say that? Amelie. Okay. Amelie? That's how I'm, I've always said it like that, okay. but I haven't seen From it. From 2001. Never seen it. Um, it's super French. Number 23 from 2017, which this one is good. I think it deserves a spot on the list, is The Big Sick, starring Camille... Nanjiani, I think, and Zoe Kazan. It's literally in here. I could just read it. <laughs> um, but it's based on he like so this like non like Kumail Nanjiani wrote it based on him and his his actual real life wife. Um, and it's it's really cute. It's really sweet. Okay, number twenty two from nineteen seventy one is Harold and Maude, which. Why? Some of these, I'm like, these are not Let's romantic see, why comedies. Are we putting, um, 
movies from the 70s and movies that are Shakespeare on here. Mm, they say they're romantic comedies. Okay, 21 from 1960 is The Apartment with Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lemmon. I haven't seen that one. I haven't either. No, I feel like I should have put it happened one night on here. We'll see. <laughs> um, okay, at number 20 is Four Weddings and a Funeral from 1994 with Andy McDowell and Hugh Grant. I really loved that one. And I also really loved, um, I think it was Hulu did yeah, either Hulu. Hill on there. They're coming back to me. More, more rom-coms are coming to my brain. <laughs> yeah, Hulu did a show. Hulu did a show, and I really liked the show. I've never seen that movie. Which is surprising. It's good. Um, okay, 19 from 1987 is Moonstruck. Yeah. With Cher. Yeah. And um, Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Which, don't care. Right. Uh, okay, number 18. Here's where I could not. I was like, this is not a romantic comedy. This is just a regular comedy. And to put it at 18, no less, is 2005's The 40-Year-Old Virgin. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, coming in at number 17 from 1940 is The Shop Around the Corner. Okay, valid. I, I honestly kind of expected you to say that one. I don't know why. Uh, well, you know, my brain just, when I think rom-com, I'm gonna think that the era that all of yeah. these are in. It's okay. Number 16. The was... Shop Around the Corner, if you don't know, everyone should know if you've listened to our podcast before, but that's, it's You've Got Mail. Yeah. But... But 1940. in 1940. Yeah. Number 16 is Down With Love from 2003, starring Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor. I've not, I've never heard of this movie. It sounds good. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is where I got offended because this is what I thought should have been number one. Mm-hmm. Or at least top three. What? Number 15, His Girl Friday from 1940. Starring, I thought about doing one of those. Starring Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant. Yeah. It's one of... Probably the best romantic comedies of all time, I think. Mm-hmm. Also, you can never ever go wrong with Carrie Grant. Uh, Coming in at number 14 mm-hmm. from 1997 is My Best Friend's Wedding. Good. Julia Roberts, Dermot Mulroney, Cameron Diaz. I don't even have to talk about uh, My Best Friend's Wedding because you've talked about it so much. So much. Okay, at number 13 from 1993 is Sleepless in Seattle. Great. From num sorry number twelve from nineteen eighty seven is broadcast news starring Holly Hunter and who's the guy in this one? What is that? Albert Brooks. This is not a. This is probably a drama. This I don't know. You said broadcast news and it made me think of that movie with um Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer. Do you know that movie I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. What is that movie called? Mm. That's that that Celine Dion song is from it because you love me was on that yep. soundtrack. Yep yep yep. Hold on. Have you seen that? I, I Yeah, I think. Golly. Doesn't he die? I think Probably. I feel like it's sad. Up close and personal. Oh, God. Yes, I have seen that. Sorry. That's okay. Sidetrack. Okay, so broadcast news. Albert Brooks, William Hurt, Holly Hunter. Um, number 11 from 1988 is Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> That's funny. It is. Okay. Is that a rom-com? It is to Vanity Fair. Interesting. Okay. Okay, now we're into our top ten. Okay. So I can tell you. I'm upset that only two of mine are going to be on there, and uh-huh. that the rest of these are not on the list, which means that the rest of these aren't on there at all. Right. So, I will tell you that you did manage to guess the top two movies. 
So okay. you ended up with 12 points. Okay. Yeah, because you got one point for guessing two of the ones in the top ten, plus ten for guessing number one. Because it is, you'll see. Okay. I was going to give it away, and then I was like, why would I do that? <laughs> okay. Number ten from 1934 is It Happened One Night. Okay. With Clark Gable. And if I had thought hard enough, that would have been on there for sure. I love yeah. that one so much. Claudette Colbert. Yep, it's so good. Yeah, it is. Do you want to talk about some? Um, Sure. I can't remember. It's been a minute. It's probably been like four or five years since I've watched it. So, and then I've seen it like twice before that. But So I can't quite remember why they are in the predicament that they are in. But it's kind of like a forced proximity thing where they're having to travel together. And it's kind of an enemies to lover situation mm-hmm. too where they like get on each other's nerves mm-hmm. and are opposites and track whatever, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I, But I can't remember why they're... I feel like she's like rich. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember why they're traveling together. Yeah. What does it say? Um, I'm going to read what Katie Rich from the Sanity Fair article said. Okay. And also, um, we will share the URL for this article in the show notes and probably also post it on we gotta our get back, social media. Back to that. We've been real bad. <laughs> Y'all remember we have a social media? Because we didn't. It's just... <laughs> It's just tumbleweeds just, blowing yeah. through It's there. like literally the last thing I think we posted was Elvis. And yes. that was a month ago. That's so. why I I should not be in charge of it because I'm bad at it. Yeah, I just too. think social media is from the devil, so I try not to do it. And mm-hmm. then I have to do it. Yeah. And um, I'm not good at it. But we'll I will say it. the one time, remember that time Christopher Palaha knew we, were, we existed? It was because yep. of you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Katie Rich from the Vanity Fair article, the 33 best romantic comedies of all time, said this about it happened one night. A rom-com made in an era when the production code discouraged scenes of excessive passion, it happened one night captures falling in love and even lust without a whole lot. An expertly displayed leg, an instantly iconic shirtless Clark Gable, and a road trip plot repeated endlessly in the decades since but Mm -hmm. never quite matched. A model of the screwball comedy era when dialogue came quickly and women behaved wildly but lovably. Mm -hmm. It Happened One Night holds up particularly well thanks to the chemistry between Gable and Claudette Colbert, who plays the heiress on the run being hunted down by Gable's enterprising reporter. Yes. Their relationship is sparring and hilarious, the two clearly perfectly matched in wits, until it turns irrepressibly romantic with Colbert's Ellie running away from her unwanted wedding to Pillow of the Century Wesley, played by Jameson Thomas, to be with her hunky newspaperman. The walls of Jericho tumbled, five Oscars were won, and the cinematic template was set for pairs who just can't stop arguing, so they may as well kiss already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good so job, good. Katie Rich. Thank you for putting that so perfectly. Number nine, hmm. from 1999, featuring the iconic ending line, well, not ending line, but one of the ending lines, I'm also, or, I'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Yeah. Is Notting Hill. I like Notting Hill. It's not my favorite. But I get bored. Yeah. And I just feel like... Yeah, Hugh Grant. For a second I thought it was somebody else. But I just feel like Hugh Grant is used better in so many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, is Bridget Jones on there? You'll see. Okay. Um, Speaking of places where Hugh, Hugh Grant, Grant was yeah, used better. Yeah, that's what I think about, yeah. Um, okay, do you want to talk first, or do you want me to read what a Laura Bradley from the Vanity Fair article has to say? You just read it. Okay. She was just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her, except she was Julia Roberts, fresh off the success of My Best Friend's Wedding, and he was Hugh Grant, post-Sense and Sensibility. 
In other words, these were two beloved actors stretching some already toned muscles, and it showed. Notting Hill unfolds like a modern-day fairy tale as a wildly famous actress falls in love with a humble shopkeeper. The clothes might be dated. 1999 was a truly embarrassing <laughs> year for all of us. But the appeal is eternal. It checks all the boxes. The meet-cute, the wacky friends, the lovable stars with electric chemistry and a skill for adorably awkward entanglements. In what world would anyone say no to having orange juice spilled on them by a 1990s Hugh Grant? In fact, Notting Hill exceeds these conventions to a degree that, in any other film, might have been cloying and excessive. Really, there are multiple meet-cutes. Hugh Grant is exceedingly awkward. <laughs> but thanks to its stars, as well as the careful writing by Richard Curtis, who had made magic with Grant in Four Weddings and a Funeral just a few years before, Notting Hill hits all the requisite notes just right. I mean, yep. yeah. I, I don't know why it just bores me a little bit comparatively to other ones. But, I mean, I like it. But it's not... I mean, I've probably only intentionally sat down and watched it, like, twice after my first mm-hmm. viewing. Yeah. It's not one I seek out. Mm-mm. Okay, are you ready to move on? Yeah. Number eight from 1953 is Roman Holiday. Oh, that's one of my favorites. When you didn't name it, I was like, oh, she's going to be so sad. I just did not think of any other era. Next time I'll remind you. (laughs) That there's other eras. Yeah, that there are other years before 1990. (laughs) Okay. I love that one. So, Savannah Walsh from this Vanity Fair article said, One could credit or blame this film for inspiring everything from The Prince and Me to Netflix's The Princess Switch franchise. Okay, we're crediting it, not blaming it. (laughs) Oh, I was like, did I say blame? Because I already forgot what I read as I read it. Um, I will credit it for The Prince and Me. I will blame it for The Princess Switch. Let's blame The Prince and Me for The Princess Switch. Okay, it's a domino effect. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the well-worn formula began with Audrey Hepburn's Princess Anne fleeing from her gold-plated prison for adventure in the Eternal City. While taking her trip on the wild side, she encounters American journalist Joe Bradley, a smoldering Gregory Peck, who who takes his royal run-in as the perfect opportunity for an explosive article. Hepburn and Peck's chemistry is undeniable, and watching them fall in love while riding a Vespa or grazing near the Trevi Fountain is a breezily comforting affair. That is, until Joe's deceit is revealed and the reality of their different stations in life comes rushing back into focus. The film's final scene remains one of the most quietly heartbreaking in romantic comedy history. Directed by William Wyler, Roman Holiday would prove to be Hepburn's own crowning achievement, earning her an Oscar for Best Actress in the process. Um, yes, I was thinking, as I was reading before they started talking about the end, I was thinking about like how that is... So, sad endings are not common in romantic yeah. comedies. I have chills um, thinking about the ending. Me too! It's so good. Um, that one is sad. And it was making me think, Casablanca is not on this list because there is no, I don't think there's any comedy in Casablanca. If it is, it's They very, have Casablanca on that list? No, it's not. Oh. <laughs> it's not. Okay. But, and I was thinking, like, it made me think of the, it makes me think of the ending of Casablanca where you're like, surely she's not going to get on the plane. <laughs> yeah. Like, surely she's going to get yeah. off of it, and she never does. And you're like, wow. Okay, yeah. That's real life. Yeah. Because, um, like, also, that's my problem with, and my mom and I talk about this a lot. Like, it's hard for us to watch the, like, princess um, Hallmark movies at Christmas and stuff because, like, that's not relatable to us. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to fall in love with a prince or be a princess. Yeah. And also, it's hard to 
um, I guess take seriously, not that you should take Hallmark movies seriously, but, <laughs> um, it's hard to take seriously because you know, like, in absolutely no world, like, yeah. like the Trevor Donovan one where Merritt Patterson is a princess yeah. and she comes back and they live together, but they, they stay in America. That's never yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's not how royalty works. Would I give up a crown for Trevor Donovan? Hell to the yes. <laughs> but she didn't give up her crown. She got both. And mm-hmm. that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Look at what's going on with Harry and Meghan right now. That'll just show you. If, yeah. If it's going to happen, there's going to be drama. And then, you know. Right. And, like, I just, I don't know. And Meghan was an actress. She wasn't, like, just in a, like, activist. A farmer. She, yeah, she wasn't just, like, some ho-hum, small-town girl. Um, <clears throat> okay. Number seven from 1993 is Groundhog Day, which I, at first I was like, it's not a romantic comedy, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, it is. Do I think it should be top ten? No. no. Absolutely not. But it technically is. Um, okay, so Joy Press from the Vanity Fair article. I don't know if these people work for Vanity Fair or if this, like, a compilation people, like how BuzzFeed will be like, send us your ideas and we right. may use them. Like, right, right. Um, so that's why I keep talking about them like, like they're from the article and not from Vanity Fair. Okay. Groundhog Day is the ultimate rom-com for curmudgeons who don't like rom-coms. The perfect style for a hardened cynic's heart. After all, its hero is, him, is himself exquisitely sour. Phil Connors, a weatherman sent to... I can never say the town. Where's the Groundhog Town? Puxatani. Puxatani. There you go. Good job. They threw an X in there, and I was like, I'm never, I can never say that. <laughs> so Puxatani, Pennsylvania, to cover the pointless annual ritual of a groundhog looking for its shadow may be Bill Murray's ideal role. Bored with life, he gets caught in a time loop in which he's repeatedly forced to relive the previous 24 hours. That means that day after day, he gets turned down by his producer, Rita, played with twinkly self-possession by Andy McDowell. By dilating each moment, the movie expands Phil's sense of wonder exponentially. He gets to know the inhabitants of this tiny town to learn kindness and curiosity, and the repetition of time gradually washes away his misery and egotism. Phil spends a big chunk of the movie trying to figure out fraudulent ways to seduce Rita, but it's only when he stops trying to trick her into bed and has fun being with her, and he in turn becomes a human being she can enjoy that the romance clicks. It's an amazing emotional and structural feat, a movie that I would happily watch again and again and again. And that was Joy Press from Vanity Fair's article. I just never got into that movie. They would always play it on ABC Family when I was young, and I just I just never... I like when its formula is used in other things, like The Twelve Dates of Christmas that was on back when ABC Family, or back when Freeform was ABC Family. Um, I like when it's used in other places. It's not necessarily my favorite. Yeah. Um, okay. Number six from 1972 is What's Up, Doc? And Savannah Walsh. So these may be people who work for Vanity Fair. Because I've heard her name twice. This bringing up baby-esque slapstick comedy is made picture perfect thanks to the on-screen trifecta of Barbara Streisand as freewheeling college dropout Judy Maxwell... Ryan O'Neill as uptight musicologist Dr. Howard Bannister, and Madeline Kahn in her first on-screen role as Howard's shrill fiancé Eunice Burns. Their performances soar under the direction of Peter Bogdanovich, working from a quick-witted script by graduate co-writer Buck Henry and Blonnie and... Blonnie? (laughs) And Bonnie and Clyde co-writers David Newman and Robert Benton. The enduring legacy of Doc remains its comedic set pieces, including an elaborate car chase through the hills of San Francisco and a sequence in which Howard pretends not to know Eunice in a restaurant while hi- hiding beneath a table with Judy. 
Conswell, executed dig- indignity, steals the scene and threatens to run away with the whole movie. I have not seen that one. Okay, I've seen it because, you know, I own every Barbra Streisand movie because mm-hmm. my sweet friend Laura gave me every Barbra Streisand movie when I graduated. There we go. <laughs> I was like, what was I doing? Why did she do that? Um, it's like a graduation gift. It's one that I really only watched, like, once because, like, what am I going to prefer to pick out of the Barbra? I watched everything, watched all of them, but what is what am I going to watch over and over? The way we the were. The way we were in Funny Girl. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't really care about Barbara being funny. Yeah. That sounds awful. I love her being funny in Funny Girl because she's also singing her face off and crying. And then I love her being dramatic and Robert Redford in The Way We Were. So, and I like Ryan O'Neill. He's fine. I remember thinking it was almost, like, too screwball comedy for me. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, this is a little bit too weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but, Okay. Hmm. Maybe I'll give it another go. Okay. Now we're into the top five. Is there anything, this won't count for points, but just for the sake of entertainment, is there anything you haven't heard yet that you think absolutely has to be top five? Well, I think that the two of mine are going to be You've Got Mail and When Harry Met Sally. Yes. Now I'm sure you'll say them and I'll be like, oh yeah. Okay. My brain's clearly not working very well. Okay. That's fine. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Okay. Number five from 1999. Ten Things I Hate About You. I, again, I don't think of that as a rom-com. I think of it as a teen movie. Which I guess, you know, still could make it. I mean, I mean I they, there are you. teen movie rom-coms, but I just, yeah. I, I feel like I would lump it in teen movie before I lumped it in. You know, rom-com. now that I'm thinking about that, you know what's not on here and absolutely should have been? What? She's All That. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonia Soraya, I think I said that right, from this article said... Ten Things is right on the line between teen movie and romantic comedy. There you go. But what elevates this film past high school drama is the mature performances from Julia Stiles and the late, great Heath Ledger. But, but like, if Heath wasn't dead and, like, had been a great actor, would it be on this list? I think it probably still would be. Because, I think it's on there because he's a great actor, not because he's dead. Yeah. Do I think he has an Oscar because he's dead? Yes. (laughs) That's a hot, hot, hot take that's probably going to get me canceled. (laughs) Um... Okay, so la, la, la. the mature performances from Julia Stiles and the late great Heath Ledger, who personify the frustration of being over high school but too young for college in separate, <laughs> equally winning ways. In a way, the incredibly juvenile premise, a spin on Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew, in which Ledger's character is paid to take out Stiles's, so I, was, I said Stiles's and immediately went to Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> um, who's paid to take out Styles's so that a whole other set of characters can go out with her younger sister is just there to be transcended as sparks fly between two people who had long ago given up on this dumb school and by extension this dumb town. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, David Crumholtz, Susan May Pratt, and Larissa Olenek round out the cast for an especially endearing view of high school power dynamics and the banal cruelties of teenage heartbreak. All that, plus a public display of affection on a football field using Frankie Valley's Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. Um, have you ever seen Not Another Teen Movie? Mm-mm. Okay, so it's a parody movie of mm-hmm. all of, it, of the yeah. teen movies. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans plays the, like, Heath Ledger, Freddie Prince Jr. type character. Um, and there's a part in that movie that is supposed to be, like, the Can't Take My Eyes Off of You scene. Mm-hmm. where And the girl's name is Janie instead of Lainey mm-hmm. from She's All That... And, um, Tyler Lee is the girl, by the way. Yes. Um, but he sings... Is that how we say her name? Did I say Tyler? I meant Kyler. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, I always, in my brain, I'm always like... Because that's how you spell it. Uh-huh. Uh, so he, instead he sings Janie's Got a Gun, because her name is the title of the song. And it just ends up getting her tackled by school security. <laughs> that's funny. So bad. Oh, man. That movie is, like, equal parts awful, insane, and hilarious. That's funny. Coming in at number four, mm-hmm. one of my personal favorites, from 2001, Bridget Jones's Diary. Mm-hmm. And Laura Bradley, in this article, said, For anyone who's ever found herself sitting at home with dangerous quantities of wine and cake, belting out all by myself alone, this one was bound to be a home run. And apparently, quite a lot of us could relate. Renee Zellweger's hapless heroine, Bridget Jones, and her competing love interests, played with distinctly British charm by Colin Firth and Hugh Grant, became an instant hit in 2001. Although the sequels never lived up to the promise of the original, it's hard to think of anything that could erase the legacy of blue soup, ugly Christmas sweaters, and embarrassing fights in the street. Besides, it's hard to think of a more satisfyingly absurd, distinctly rom-com climax than the moment Bridget chases Mr. Darcy down a snowy London street in nothing but a pair of sneakers, a jacket, and zebra print undies. Yeah, I had that one. I love that one, but I didn't see it probably ever until like the last five yeah. years. I think we watched I it. I made you watch yeah. it. Yeah. And that his line, what is it? When she says like she's like nice, nice guys, don't nice guys like don't that. kiss like that. And he's like, Yes, they yeah, have do. Yeah, so good. And it's like it's Colin Firth, so oh it's my like, gosh, I love Colin. He's Firth. another one that I'm like, you're not like hot. Right. But like anytime I watch him. Mm-hmm. I love him. Love him. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for number three? Yeah. Okay, number three from 1995 is Clueless. Mm-hmm. Clueless to me, like what you were saying earlier, like is it a, a teen, teen movie or a rom-com? I don't feel like it's a rom I mean, does it have rom-com elements? Yes, but I feel like it is predominantly a teen movie, so I would not have put it as number no, three. No, that didn't even enter my brain. Okay, Richard Lawson in this article said, In adapting Jane Austen's Emma about a scheming matchmaker surprised by her own romance, for mid-90s teenagehood, writer-director Amy Heckerling invented her own idiom. Baldwin's, Monet's, and Kate Boy's all swirl happily in the orbit of Cher Horowitz, a shallow Beverly Hills princess of hidden depth played brilliantly by Alicia Silverstone. In a generation-defining performance, there would be no Regina George without Cher. Heckerling's world, which includes an adorable Paul Rudd as a just-slightly-problematic love interest, just-slightly? <laughs> He's her brother! Yeah. Stepbrother, but still. still. I'm sorry. Like, I remember watching that. There's that and there. What's the one with Melissa Joan Hart? Oh, I thought you were about to be like, where they're sleeping with their stepbrother, Cruel Intentions. <laughs> uh, Cruel Intentions is a whole other <laughs> conversation entirely. I freaking love Cruel I Intentions. Do too. I do too. Um, what's the one? It's... Drive Me Crazy. Yes. Yep. Where at the end, their yes. parents are like going to get married yep. or it's something. Super... And it, I remember watching that. I have a very vivid memory of, like, going to McDonald's and getting a Happy Meal and coming home and watching Drive Me Crazy and being like, what, at the end? Like, being like, how's this going to work? Like, right. It's mm-mm. it's not okay. No. I want, okay, here's the thing. I haven't even finished reading this description, and I promise I'll get back to it. <laughs> you know what? No, let me finish it. Yeah. Let me, I'm going to start it over so that nothing is lost. Then I'm going to pick this apart. Okay. In adapting Jane Austen's Emma about a scheming matchmaker surprised by her own romance, for mid-90s teenagehood, writer-director Amy Heckerling invented her own idiom. Baldwin's Monos and Kate Boys all swirl happily in the orbit of Cher Horowitz, a shallow Beverly Hills princess of hidden depth played brilliantly by Alicia Silverstone in a generation-defining performance. 
There would be no Regina George without Cher. Heckerling's world, which includes an adorable Paul Rudd as a just slightly problematic love interest, is lively and silly, but also sharp. The movie's critique and veneration of teen culture may look quaint in this era of Instagram stars, but Clueless still stands sturdily in its platform sneakers as one of the best of the genre, of several genres, in fact. Has there ever been a better teen comedy? As if. Um, slightly problematic, she, they're, they're brother and sister for all intents and purposes. <laughs> I'm sorry. When your love interest in your teen romance comedy shares a plot device with most porn movies because mm-hmm. there's always like the weird family stepbrother step, weird yeah. step dynamics mm-hmm. it's not slightly problematic it's big problematic and it doesn't matter how endearing paul rudd is even though he is very endearing and i like clueless but i don't i would not have put clueless above Roman Holiday, it happened one night. His Girl Friday. His Girl Friday. uh, Any, any of these, really. I probably would have put Clueless in the 30s, maybe upper 20s. Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have put it at all. Okay. Number two from 1998, You've Got Mail. Great. So, about You've Got Mail, Kenzie Bryant had this to say. You've Got Mail is the last of Nora Ephron's genre-defining romantic comedies, arriving in theaters after when Harry met Sally in Sleepless in Seattle, but before the new millennium. It's the second film Ephron made with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, who circle each other easily as sparring partners Kathleen Kelly, who owns the Shop Around the Corner Children's Bookstore, and Joe Fox, who runs the capitalist scourge Fox and Sons Books. They fall in love using technology that would eventually put both characters out of business if cameras kept rolling for another decade, the internet. Mm -hmm. Though a film about romance in the age of America online was always going to be hopelessly dated, it was also the first rom-com to normalize the thrill of flirting via chat box with an anonymous stranger, even while talking about innocuous things like butterflies and buying school supplies in the fall. Don't you love New York in the fall? (laughs) It was the first rom-com to cast Dave Chappelle as a best friend, the first to use a dial-up modem as the opening credit song, and the first to playfully skewer how easy it is to catfish a potential mate. (laughs) And while it also wasn't the first romantic comedy to have its male character gaslight his love interest, Fox does come clean about it in the end. Yeah. I love that one. It is one of the greats. It's It's one of my mom's favorites. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Like, the movies that I watched on repeat as a child are Sleeps in Seattle, You've Got Mail, Pretty Woman, My Best Friend's Wedding, Miss Congeniality, Legally Blonde, While You Were Sleeping. That was, like, the rotation when I was probably born to age 12. Mm -hmm. Um, Same. And then enter, like, How to Lose a Guy started, you know, like, the the more, like, early 2000s started coming out. So, So the upsetting thing about this list is Sweet Home Alabama is not on it. Here's, okay. Neither is a single Jennifer Lopez rom-com. Here's, this is what I'm going to argue, okay? I can see Miss Congeniality not being on there because I don't really know what to lump that in, but I was like, I feel like Sandra Bullock should be somewhere on this list. The Proposal? Yeah. The Proposal's a great one. Um, Sweet Home Alabama 100% should be on there. Sweet Home Alabama has a whole trope that... Yes. That it basically invented. Yeah. And the whole, like, what do you want to, what is it? What do you want to kiss me? Or marry me for any house house I can kiss you Like, that's, like, a great line. It just had its, um, 
anniversary, Reese posted about yep. it and how it like changed her life. Great movie. Um, okay, and I also I understand that twenty seven why twenty seven dresses isn't on there, but I would argue that Katherine Heigl and rom coms was a thing. Like she was like life as we know it. The rom com yeah. girl. For and like a for a minute, and so that was the and that was the one that really kicked that off for mm-hmm. her. And James Marsden is just great in yes. that one. Um, that that's a great one. So I'm sad that's not on there. On there. Honestly, thirteen going on thirty could have been on that list. For and me it should as have well. been. Um, that Jennifer Garner, great. And then definitely the wedding planner should have been on there. Like mm-hmm. I will. That's that's. Uh, mm-hmm. I love that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there needed to be a J Lo movie in there. Yeah. I feel like there's another big one that's missing. Runaway Bride. Okay, I knew that that one wasn't going to be on there. Why was um, Pretty, Pretty Woman, Woman not on there? Okay, I knew that Pretty Woman and Runaway, I didn't I didn't even put those on my yeah. list, and those are two of my favorites. Um, I knew that those wouldn't be on there, one, because Runaway Bride is like, it's just not as well-known or mm-hmm. well-watched, which is confusing to me, personally. Um, but people don't know that one as much, mm-hmm. um, and they haven't seen it as much, so I thought it wouldn't be there. And then Pretty Woman, I think that it's probably not on there because of the whole sex worker mm-hmm. of it all. I was just okay. waiting for the um, oh. dryer thing. I was thought you were looking for no. the right word, and I no. was like, sex worker. No. Because of the whole sex worker of it all, and it's uh, it kind of glamorizes that, and it also, in terms of, like, there are things that, like, there's that skinny Marie who's, like, dead in the dumpster in the beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's things like that that I was like, I feel like that's not yeah. gonna be, not gonna be in there. Yeah. Um, and there's the whole like you know freaking Jason Alexander being a asshole at the end and yeah. So I don't know. I just felt like that one wouldn't be there. But I love both of both Pretty Woman and Runaway Bride. They're uh-huh. on my list. We need to make our list. I I was thinking that because I also maybe next week we have a schedule and we keep. Not doing it. it, yeah. <laughs> Maybe next week can be like we fix. Yeah, you know how we fixed yeah. um, free forms thirteen nights, yeah. thirty one nights of Halloween. Maybe Let's we'll fix, fix rom com this thing. list. Yeah, um, Vanity Fair sends us a cease and desist. <laughs> Just kidding, they do not care about us. Um, Crazy Stupid Love is not on here. That's a good one. Like, I don't, I don't know. We will have to fix it for sure. Um, okay, so number one is obviously when Harry met Sally. Yeah, from nineteen eighty nine. And Nicole Sperling said this. Now, this one I do agree with. Like, When Harry Met Sally yeah. to me is the, like... Ultimate rom-com. It's like, you won't know this because you don't watch these, but it's kind of like how Scream, like, reinvented the horror movie yeah. when Harry Met Sally reinvented the rom-com. And it started the, like, surge, surge of rom-coms of rom-com. in mm-hmm. the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. So Nicole Sperling had this to say. It launched the rom-com career of the singular Nora Ephron... It established Meg Ryan as America's sweetheart, and it became the gold standard that Hollywood tried to emulate for the next decade. 1989's When Harry Met Sally and all its talky, charming smartness felt revelatory upon its release and still resonates today, primarily because it so thoughtfully examines the central question posed at the beginning. Can straight men and women really be just friends? While those stark gender lines and Sally's obsession with marriage feel a bit dated in 2018, the film is still a near-perfect execution of the genre. Efron and director Rob Reiner achieved, the, achieved that alchemy by combining the sweet quirkiness of Ryan's Sally Albright with the cranky pessimism of Billy Crystal's Harry Burns. All swirled together with Efron's endlessly quotable dialogue, 
as well as more than a few memorable improvised lines. <laughs> Baby fish mouth is sweeping the nation. Waiter, there is too much pepper on my paprikash. Of course you... I can't read. Of course you also can't forget the charming faux documentary vignettes of longtime married couples sprinkled throughout the piece and the stellar supporting performances by Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby. Rewatching the film today is a bleak reminder of all that on and off screen talent that is no longer here. But thankfully, Efron's intelligent wit and those who sold it will live on forever. I'll have what she's having. It's a good one. It is. That is one of, it's truly one of my favorite movies of all time. You know what we could do instead of a Let's Fix Vanity Fair's article? <laughs> we could take some of the things from their article and be like, if you liked this, watch this. Mm-hmm. You know, because like bookstores will do that. Like, if you liked The Hunger Games, read mm-hmm. whatever this crap is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So maybe we'll do that. We'll figure it out. But I had a feeling, I I felt a little bit like I was setting you up for failure because their top ten was so niche mm-hmm. that um, it was going to be hard. There was a lot on the list that was niche. I almost said least that was niche. <laughs> list that was niche. Which, you know, was to be expected. Yeah. So. From, you know, Vanity Fair, I would think. Yeah. And just like now, there's so many, like... You know, clearly I wasn't thinking outside of my, um, like, childhood rom-coms. Yeah. And so I didn't think about a lot of the ones that, like, would have been either older or newer, but... Right. But there's lots that I love. Okay. So what we were supposed to do next week is do our, you know, our three-movie idea that we haven't done once. We were supposed no, to have done really, it, like, four times It's a great now. idea. Yeah, it is. And we'll we will it. do it eventually. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll have like a whole season devoted to that. We won't, but we might, we might lump them together soon. Um, that just, it takes a lot of work because we have to watch That's three what I was movies. Gonna say. When we, we have, have to make notes. Next time we have, you know, so in the spring, um, when we have like a weekend, like that we can devote mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. and like watching three movies, mm-hmm. we'll do that. Maybe we'll have to draw them out of, um, yeah, which actor we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have a lot of, because we were going to do um, three movies. We were going to have a, like a Hallmark, so like Hallmark oh, movies. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we can do something else. When October hits, that's when mm-hmm. when we'll actually follow our schedule. schedule. Um, so that's what you have to look forward to. Something surprisey next week. Maybe something we've talked about here. Maybe something we come up with on our own. Um, the games are fun because I feel like the like the lack of structure somehow makes this more structured. Mm-hmm. So, um, but then it'll be Halloween time and we've got some fun stuff yeah. planned. Um, we're not terribly far away from our season finale. I mean, we're we're about halfway there. So, cool. I know we're just we're just rocking on through it. Um, okay, anything else you want to talk about? Nope. Anything you want to do? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, the way you looked I'm going to make soup for dinner. <laughs> Cute. I'm going to watch you do that. Great. Um, okay, well, that's it. If you um, if you have nice things to say and enjoyed this, um, like and rate and review and all of the things. If you didn't like it, go somewhere else. <laughs> like, I don't understand the need to, um, like, not like something and make sure everybody knows about it. <laughs> Has anyone done that to us? No. Okay, great. But just in general, like, I don't understand why people... Are trolls. Like, yeah, like, want to yell about things they don't like. Like, yeah. d- okay, then okay, turn then it off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're a grown-up. Yeah, for sure. 
Or maybe you're not, but even then, like, the off button is works just as the same as the on button. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm unwell, can you tell? <laughs> um, okay, so, so that's that. Tune in next week for something fun. Don't know what it is yet. Um, if any of y'all see Stephen R. McQueen, tell him that I'm here and I'm getting real tired of waiting. Um, okay, I guess that's it. Bye. Bye.